In this conference, we'll go more deeply into the message of Our Lady of Fatima, which according to St. Lucia, or Lucia, however you want to say it, as she wrote later, a synthesis of the message, it was really a call to adoration of our Eucharistic Lord, because our whole life is supposed to be adoration of God. And I urge you to really spend as much time in your life adoring the most holy Trinity. The Trinity is adorable. And that's what we'll be doing for all eternity is adoring the Trinity. So we should begin now. Our eternity can begin now through faith. Faith is the beginning of eternal life. And we don't want you to be enrolled in adoration 101 or even remedial adoration when you arrive in heaven. We need to live a life of adoring God. Our whole life should be for the honor and glory of God, the exaltation of his majesty, and the manifestation of his greatness. The honor and glory of God, the exaltation of his majesty, and the manifestation of his greatness. I love it when people refer to Jesus Christ as his majesty. He's majestic. His majesty. He's king of kings and lord of lords. He should have even kingship in the, in the, in the social and temporal order in this world. And that's why we vote according to Catholic principles. And the highest principle is that life is sacred from conception to natural death, right? Because without life, you have no other human rights because you don't have humans. You don't have life. But our life should be adoration. And, and part of that adoration is the salvation of souls. You know, so all for the greater glory of God and the salvation of souls. But it's also a call to conversion, conversion, conversion. Very important. Many of us may feel powerless in the events taking place in the world. But as we talked in the homily, it's a blessing to be powerless because that's just reality. But with God, we can do all things. So we accept the powerlessness of our nature and our, 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 especially our fallen nature, our fallen humanity, but Jesus redeemed us and gives us a new life in the resurrection and sends us the Holy Spirit the Father and Jesus sent us the Holy Spirit. And an important thing is conversion, to turn back to God. And it starts one person at a time. Father John Harden, a very holy priest, God rest his soul, stated that Fatima identifies mankind's greatest need which is conversion from sin. Amen? Amen? That's mankind's greatest need, conversion 
from sin. The wages of sin is death. Jesus conquered it all, but it's up to us to respond to the grace he gives us to live our baptism and to be strengthened in the Eucharist and to live the teachings he gave us as handed down faithfully in the Catholic Church. So Father Hardin says Fatima identifies the greatest need. When Our Lady comes, she identifies the need. But because she's a wonderful and perfect mother, she also identifies the remedy. The remedy. How do we convert from sin? Simply put, three things. And these are the things we need to do, my brothers and sisters, and then share it with the whole world. First, live a life of faith. Faith, faith. The longer I'm a priest, a missionary priest, the more I realize how important that word faith is, how big it is. Faith can begin with understanding doctrine and the truths of God, but eventually it leads to a way of life, believing in the presence of God and letting God transform us with his grace. And we put our faith into practice because faith without works is dead. And that's why faith and morals are connected and the church has infallibility on faith and morals. Morals is the living out of the faith. You understand? That's what morals is. When you hear morals, a lot of people think that it's just a code of ethics or conduct. Morals is the living out of our faith. Some of the liars, the liars in the world that, and we know all lies come from the father of lies, Satan. They say the church has a right to talk about doctrines of faith, but they can't talk about morals. Wrong. Morals is the living out of the faith. Understand? Just have that clear. It's simple. I, I really want to try to keep it simple. As I go through the years in service as a priest to God's people, simple, simple, simple things you can take away with you. Faith and morals are connected. Faith, and we'll go deeper and deeper into faith faith in, for the rest of this day, and, and it might carry over into tomorrow's conference. One is faith, a life of faith. Two is prayer, a life of prayer. What is your identity? A child of God. A child of God converses the Heavenly Father, with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit. You are a prayer. Did you hear what I just said? Not a prayer, although you are a prayer, but you're a prayer. Pray. Sacrifice. And remember, some demons can only be cast out with prayer and fasting, Let's not lose sight of that. So we put our faith into practice and, and we pray. Prayer is an act of faith. I mean, you have to have faith that you're, you're relating to the Trinity. 
or you're calling upon the Blessed Mother and the communion of saints. You're, 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 you're calling upon someone to help you. That takes faith. But then third is self-denial, penance, expiation, penance, expiation. And so Lucia said Fatima was really about adoration, conversion, reparation, reparation. We talked about making reparation to the sacred heart of Jesus with the first nine Fridays but living a whole life of reparation, repairing, that's what reparation is, repairing for harms done. And you can do it on behalf of others who've done harm. Or reparation to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, that's what we do on the first Saturday, but our whole life, making reparation for those who offend our Blessed Mother in unspeakable ways. I won't even repeat them, but there's, that's the, what's behind the five First Saturdays, there's five major ways that she's offended. I will mention one of them, though. We need to make reparation for those who try to publicly implant in children's hearts indifference, contempt, and even hatred of our Immaculate Mother. That's so sad that people try to destroy a relationship a child should have with their mother. It's just not right. So we need to bring everybody to Our Lady who will bring people to Jesus, who will bring people to the Father, who will bring people to the Holy Spirit, who will bring them back to the Eucharist and Our Lady. That's how it works. We talked about that. One time I had the privilege of speaking at a Fatima conference in all places in Salt Lake City, Utah. Yeah. And one of the uh, speakers at the conference was Father Carest, God rest his soul. He was for years a Montforian priest, St. Louis Marie de Montfort's community. He did a lot of their books, editing their publications, so forth, so on. That evening, we stayed in a Trappist monastery together, and I had about an hour with him. And I asked him of all of St. Louis Marie de Montfort's writings, what, what, what's the most important? I thought he would have said true devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary. And certainly, it's all connected. It's all one. These, the teachings of how to really relate to Our Lady properly. Remember, St. Louis Marie de Montfort points out that Mary is smaller than an atom. She, know, she knew her nothingness, but because God willed that she would be the mother of God and God willed that Jesus would come to us through her, he wills that we would go to him through her. You see, and when God wills it, it is, okay? That's how it works. For those of you who may be watching who don't understand. But what Father Caress told me was the most important writing is a little book called The Secret of Mary. The Secret of Mary. 
And I was like, the secret of Mary. And then just naturally he said, the reason that's the most important is because we need to share our mother with other people as if she's a secret. You know, we all think that everybody knows the Blessed Virgin Mary. They don't. And so when you have the most beautiful mother, immaculately conceived, perfect in all virtue, St. Louis Marie de Montfort writes her 10 principal virtues are profound humility, lively faith, blind obedience, mortification in all things, continual mental prayer, ardent charity, surpassing purity, heroic patience, heroic patience, angelic sweetness, and divine wisdom. I urge you to take one of those virtues every Saturday and ask Our Lady to help you live it. Your mother will share her virtues with you. That's what good mothers do. And I could give a whole teaching on how all those are interconnected. If you have profound humility, you'll have lively faith. It goes hand in hand. See, if you really have a, a great lively faith in God, we talked about God, the supreme being, whose wisdom stretches from end to end mightily, who governs all things well, how everything's under his providence, how God has mastery over all things, how his divine will is perfect. When you really know God, all-knowing, all-powerful, all-loving, all-merciful, when you have great faith and you're lifted out of yourself, you're going to be humble. In the presence of Almighty God, you'll be humble. St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta says, knowledge of God gives us charity. Knowledge of self gives us humility. Humility and charity go together. So they're all connected. But the secret of Mary, if you go share with one person the truth about our Blessed Mother, explaining that she's a human person chosen by God from all eternity to be the mother of Jesus, who is God, so she's the mother of God, and how it's only right that her, her whole being but her, her, and her, her womb that the God was going to come in never had any stain. Immaculate means without stain. In Latin, macula means stain. It's not just without sin, without stain. I want my mother to teach me how to be immaculate in my actions, which basically means get out of the way. I think of how many things I stain with my will and my ego, even my best works, probably even this conference, <laughs> you know? And so you do something good, but you know how if, if, you, if you spill something that stains a white garment, 
you can clean it and clean it and, you know, it, it's, it can, you know, pretty much be removed, but you still remember there's, you know, that stain. I want to try to reach a point in my life where I quit staining God's work. Or first of all, like St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta said, you know, hopefully just pray I don't ruin God's work, <laughs> but at least not stain it. Okay. So the Greatest need is the conversion from sin of mankind. And this was in 1917. Our Lady came as a mother, God sent her to basically tell us, do whatever he tells us, whatever God tells us, but telling us in a motherly way how to do adoration, conversion, reparation. Reparation would include offering sacrifices to atone for the sins of ourselves and others, to fulfill our daily duty well, to the best of our abilities, and to accept the responsibilities in our state in life. Offer sacrifices to atone for our sins and the sins of others, to fulfill our daily duties well, to the best of our abilities, and to accept the responsibilities of our state in life, okay? And of course, first of all, comes obey the commandments. That's a given. That's God's will. Going forward from 1917, we come to a place 25 years ago when St. John Paul II wrote a letter to the world called Evangelium Vitae, the gospel of life, the gospel of life. This March 25th, the Annunciation and Incarnation was the 25th anniversary of the gospel of life. And the gospel of life, of course, was a follow-up to Humanae Vitae, that St. Paul VI wrote, telling us not to use contraception, and that is artificial contraception, not to be using it, and all the consequences that would happen if we did that, like divorce and the breakup of family and so forth and so on, all the things we're seeing now. And much of the root of the problem that we have today is because people disregarded that teaching of the church. And once you start to disregard one teaching of the church, where does it stop? That's what happened, right? That's what happened. Okay, we all shake our heads, though, and go, well, so what's the answer? What's the answer? Well, the new evangelization. Have people encounter the living Christ through Our Lady. But what happened is that over time, John Paul II identified this 25 years ago, that what mankind came up with was structures of sin, structures of sin, structures of sin. And he said these would destroy humanity. They would destroy civilization and humanity. Seems like that's what's upon us right now, that proposition anyway, right? 
And it all begins with basically people acting like they don't have sin. They don't sin. So if they don't sin, they don't need to be saved. If they don't need to sa be saved, they don't, have a sa they don't have need of a savior. You understand how that all works? It's all a lie from hell from the enemy. Now, again, I said, I'm not going to focus this retreat on the tactics of the enemy or the darkness, but we need to know our times so we can look to the answer for our times. So are you with me? Does everybody understand what happened? In 1917, Our Lady was sent from God. God saw that the major problem facing humanity, the greatest need was conversion from sin. Already a world war was underway. World War I. Okay. In the 20th century, two world wars through atheistic Marxist communism, at least 100 million people killed under totalitarian regimes. <laughs> and then how many babies aborted in the United States since 1973 alone, over 60 million? These structures of sin, but it begins with the fact that people never convert from sin because they don't think that they sin anymore. They don't think there's such a thing as sin. You see, there's the unholy trinity, the unholy trinity that we need to overcome. You want to know what the unholy trinity is? The unholy trinity is moral relativism, where people make themselves the center of everything and the claim that their truth is the truth, and that's not truth. Truth is a person, Jesus Christ, who existed before any humans existed. He's eternal. Thank God there's an eternal truth. I wouldn't want to live in a world where there's not an absolute truth. But we live now in a world where people make everything relative to themselves, and then they even follow false philosophies where they think that perception comes before being, whereas the truth is being comes before perception. Now that's high philosophical reasoning, but let me sh just make it clear. There was a philosopher called Descartes who said, I think, therefore I am. No. God is the I am. He gave us great abilities with a reason to think and a will to love. But I did not think myself into existence. You understand? As a matter of fact, there's a joke about Descartes. They, it's just a joke. It makes a point. He's at a cafe in France sharing his new philosophy with other philosophers and the waitress comes up and says would you like another cup of coffee and he says I don't think so and poof he disappeared <laughs> you see that's that's moral relativism that's moral relativism Right now, we live in a world where people think if they get enough power, 
they can make reality. That's what they're going for right now. They can make reality. That's what it means. Perception goes ahead of being, and that's not the case. The fact is being, who is God, comes before perception. And God speaks through the natural law, through nature. There's an order in nature. There's an order in things. God created man and God created woman. That's nature. But some people act as if they get enough power, they can then make themselves whatever they want to be. That's not how it works. You understand? So this is all tied into moral relativism. I don't, I don't have time to go into it all, but the unholy trinity, moral relativism, people do not want to submit to proper authority who is God or the church that God gave the authority to, but rather they make themselves the authority the end all be all, and they're destroying themselves. So moral relativism is one aspect of the unholy trinity. The second aspect is false irenicism. Irenicism is a big word for peace. There's a saint, Saint Irenaeus. Irenaeus means peace, true peace. Jesus is peace. At the mass, we say, peace be with you. That means Jesus be with you. When we say the Lord be with you, that's Jesus be with you. When we say peace be with you, that's Jesus be with you. Accept it. Jesus says, peace I leave you, peace I give you. It's my gift to you, a relationship with me. But false irenicism is, let's all just go along to get along. Since there's no truth, you know, everybody just, you know, do what you do, and we're all okay. You're okay. I'm okay. That's not the case. We have a fallen nature. Sin entered the world. We need a redeemer. So false peace. Some would call it tolerance. But there's actually a tyranny of tolerance. Those who also want to get the power of this unholy trinity by trying to get in a place where they can define what truth is. If they get enough power, they can, in a sense, create things in their own image and likeness. Scary, because they can't, and they lost sight of the fact that God created us in his image and likeness, which is the beauty of life. We should be like God. We should be like him. We should act the way he acts. Imitate Christ, right? And Mary perfectly imitates Christ. But those who have the first aspect of moral relativism also have this false irenicism, which is basically what they proclaim to be tolerance, but they'll tolerate anything that's in accord with their lies and darkness. It's a tyranny because if you disagree, they're not going to tolerate you. They're going to try to eliminate you. Don't be afraid. We face these things. Jesus has conquered, okay? But it's the second aspect of the unholy trinity, this false irenicism. 
Darkness has no relationship with light. It says this in scripture. We're supposed to do good and avoid evil. Good and evil don't, don't, don't spend time together. The very first Psalm says, essentially, don't sit in the company of the insolent. Or spend time with scorners. And definitely stay away from sinners, right? And these ones are trying to now define what is good and evil. And if, if you don't follow what they say, watch out. So false ironicism. We want peace among people, but peace is not just the cessation of armed conflict. Peace is only found in Jesus Christ. Peace is only following the true God. There's only one true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so this brings me to the third member of the unholy trinity, which is what's called syncretism. Syncretism, which means it's a lie. Let me, you know, it's the unholy trinity. Syncretism is all religions are the same. It's all the same God. You've heard that so many times. It's all the same God. It's not. There's only one true God. The most holy trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Yes, people are on a journey. There's elements of truth in every one's journey. The Holy Spirit's working to bring people to the Catholic faith. But there's only one true God and one true faith and one true church. But the unholy trinity will say, you can't say that. And even if they, you know, they might even get to the place where they Past laws say, I can't say that. You know what my first homily is going to be, of course. If I get thrown into prison, hey, guess what? I have a captive audience. I have a lot of people to preach to. I have a lot of work to do. I won't have to get on planes and travel anymore. I got, you know. <laughs> I remember when Paul was put, St. Paul was put under house arrest in Rome and and he had, he had his own Roman guards, you know, to, to, to protect him. And he had food provided for him. And he, had to, he didn't have to travel anymore. And he had people come visit him. And he got to write letters. Seems like a pretty good ministry to me. But the question is, are you ready? Okay, this, this whole conference, again, this is for you. And for those of you watching and whoever's going to see it someday. Okay, I'm naming what needs to be named so you understand what's really going on. So you don't, you don't get deceived, but also so that you know the truth and the truth will set you free because there is this psychological evil called gaslighting. I don't know if you ever heard of gaslighting. You've heard of people gaslighting, but it comes from a, a play I think back in the 1930s where there was this husband and this wife and there were gas lights in the house long time ago, gas lights. And the husband wanted the wife's mother's jewels. And so he would go up in the attic at night and when he'd go up in the attic and turn on the gas lights up there, the gas lights downstairs would dim. And so it's called gaslighting. 
Well, the wife became suspicious about what the husband was doing. And he used psychological manipulation that was actually, it, 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 it amounts to emotional abuse or psychological abuse and started turning it on her and the very thing he was doing, he's it's not just projecting on her, but he's, he's play, stating what he says are facts in a way to make her think that she's crazy. And eventually she, she got driven crazy because, you know, she's going, well, maybe, maybe I remember that. Maybe that was the, the case. I, I don't know. You see, we have to stay deeply grounded in the Catholic faiths. We shall know the truth and the truth will set us free and have this faith and help other people and not allow ourselves to be emotionally abused or emotionally manipulated by people who use psychological warfare and lie to us and try to make us into what they are, which is intolerant. They're violent and they're confused. And I say this out of love. We need to pray for them and do reparation and, 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 and we pray for their conversion, but we can't do it till we have our conversion. So I don't wanna spend too much time on it, but don't let people gaslight you. You can look it up. You should look it up because that's what's happening. There's psychological techniques called deflection, projection, blame shifting, guilt shifting, and gaslighting. All these things are being used on us now. Don't be driven crazy. I'm sharing these things with you now. So you never question and say, maybe, I don't want you ever saying, maybe I'm crazy. I'm telling you, you're not crazy. Oh yes, you're to be a fool for Christ. I'm willing to lay down my earthly life for Christ. I hope all of you are ready. You may be asked that. Just get ready now, pray. But let's actually get back to Fatima with the recognition that the greatest need is conversion from sin. And the remedy is faith, prayer, and self-denial. To be a disciple of Jesus, to imitate him means to deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow him right to the cross. And, you know, some people didn't believe in Jesus till after he rose from the dead. Some people won't believe in you, but they will believe your witness. If you remain in the truth, if you remain peaceful in Christ, and if you testify to the true God, did you just understand what I just shared with you? So you counter the unholy trinity. Now, there's a lot of agents of the unholy trinity, such as the Masons and other secret sects, the New Agers, all this stuff. I don't, I don't want to go too deep into it, but you have to be aware that there's these, there is this, this activity. But the communists, the Marxists, the globalists, the, they're all just agents of this unholy trinity devised by the enemy because the enemy 
what he's doing is he's really attacking the covenant that was fulfilled in Jesus. Even going back to the Garden of Eden, it's going back to the very same thing. Okay, there were three things that you should be aware of in the Garden of Eden. One, our first parents, Adam and Eve, were created in the image and likeness of God, and we're created in the image and likeness of God, right? Secondly, they were commanded, be fertile and multiply. I created you man and woman so you can be fertile and multiply. That's only with man and women. Men and women can do that, right? And then third, you will have the land to cultivate. Now we can go to the, the covenant with Abraham. Abraham's promised to be the blessing, which is the blessing is to live as a child of God. His, you know, he would be a blessing to many nations, the father of many nations. He would have offspring as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sands of the sea of the shore. That's the children. And he would have the land. The land to the, to the chosen people is important, not just to have land for the sake of land, for possessing land. The reason the promised land is so important is, is to have a place to worship God, a place to worship God freely and to raise your families safely and virtuously, to teach them what it means to live as a child of God created in the image and likeness of God. You understand the image and likeness of God, marriage and family, and a place of worship. All that's fulfilled in Jesus and the Catholic Church now because the Catholic Church has the full understanding of what it means to be living as a child of God, created in the image and likeness of God, imitating Christ, being a true disciple. The children, as numerous as the stars, the sky, and, and the sands of the shore of the sea, are the children baptized in the Catholic Church. The, Catholic Church is our mother because the womb is the baptismal fount. That's our womb. We need to bring people to the womb of the church. And that's how Jesus can say, whoever does the will of my father is my mother, my brother, and sister. Some of, sometimes a man might say, how can I be a mother? You bring somebody to baptism, you're a mother. Praise the Lord. Okay. and to have a place to worship. And all this is under attack. Our churches are essential and we can never be denied what's the most fundamental reality of life, a relationship with God and the right to worship God. Amen? So you understand the attack, the need for conversion from sin, even now as the need to overcome the structures of sin that are leading to the loss of even civilization and maybe even humanity. Because if people don't think they're sin, then they don't think they need to be saved. And the sad thing is, if you don't need, if you don't need us, if you don't think you need to be saved, then you don't think you need a savior. And then that means you don't have a relationship with Jesus. And that makes you the saddest person in the world. 
You know, I wouldn't want to be saved by anybody else other than Jesus. When you think how awesome he is and beautiful and kind and loving and, and I mean, perfect. And <laughs> he died for us <laughs> and he rose for us and he gave us all these wonderful teachings. And if we just would follow what he, what, what he showed us and taught us, the whole world would have peace. They'd be living in the truth that sets them free and there'd be blessings everywhere. This is the message of Fatima. Do whatever he tells you, okay? So we need, it starts with us, faith, prayer, self-denial, which means penance and expiation. In your handouts, in the Eucharistic Lord and Our Lady Retreat booklet, you don't have to open it up, but in there, we provided a prayer of the crusade of reparation to the Eucharistic heart of Jesus, written by Bishop Athanasius Snyder for the Eucharistic Reparation Crusade. This is for you to pray and to share. Let me continue with Fatima, and then I, I will go into a prayer of reparation to the Sacred Heart of Jesus that is so beautiful that the missionaries of charity pray it every first Friday, if not more frequently. I'll end with that today, this conference, okay? So Fatima identifies the greatest need and the remedy. What is the remedy again? Okay, I'm here now more as a teacher. Three things, what's the remedy together? One, faith. Two, prayer. Three, self-denial, penance, expiation, reparation, right? It's all ordered to conversion. Because what we need now, okay, we're coming to the answers more deeply. I spent time identifying the lies. They need to be unmasked, sort of making a pun, right? You know, unmasked. <laughs> we hope the whole world can be unmasked eventually. They have their purposes, don't get me wrong, but you know, we don't want, we don't want the truth masked. What we need, Father John Harden says, is we need moral miracles, moral miracles, moral miracles. We all rejoice at physical miracles and they do take place and we should pray for them, but we need moral miracles. What does that mean? It's a miracle when the stubborn, sinful human heart, hard, as galvanized rubber is now made a natural and loving heart and turns towards God. Remember in the Old Testament, how Moses would, would acknowledge that the people he was chosen to lead, the chosen people were a stiff-necked people. They wouldn't even look up to God. Well, I think we're pretty stiff-necked, right? The hard heart. But God promised, even in the Old Testament, I'll, I'll give you a new spirit and a new heart, a natural heart, and my spirit to keep my commandments. And it's going to begin with us through faith, prayer, self-denial. 
prayer expiation. We need moral miracles. And we all know people probably even in our family that we need moral miracles for now, right? But first, we need to be converted continually. But moral miracles are possible. With God, everything's possible. God works miracles, right? You know, that, that's part of the problem with what's called modernism, which is these, according to St. Pius X, the synthesis of all heresies, kind of scary, modernism, which basically is prove everything by reason and science. And the scientific method says, well, you know, you have to be able to observe it and, and, and prove it through the, the scientific method. But the scientific method is not even scientific because it, you can't observe the scientific method and say that it's accurate. And the new, the new quote unquote elites in the world, part of the whole, you know, working in the enemy, one of them is to try to put the scientist in charge of everything, whatever the scientists say. You know, the Archbishop of San Francisco, he has a whole huge cathedral and he's only permitted to have one person in there praying at a time. He, he then was going to go offer masses all day long out in the big square with only a few people trying to comply with, with, with these, these, these regulations from government and scientists. And uh, he said, people need to worship. And uh, he was told, follow the science. Well, God is the one who creates the science and the science is people need God. We need God. We need God. As a matter of fact, when John Paul II went to Poland, when it was still under atheistic communism, remember he started speaking and all the people, we want God, we want God, we want God. And the communists knew that their evil regime was going to fall. We want God, okay? We need moral miracles. And we can pray for anybody who's deceived to have a moral miracle. But we need to do, have faith, prayer, and self-denial. We need to bring a sin-laden world back to the friendship of God. That's the bottom line. That's your mission, my brothers and sisters, to bring a sin-laden world back to friendship with God. God is such a lover. This is sending chills through me. I wish everybody would just accept his love. He's such a lover that he never falls out of love. Even as unfaithful as we are, he still loves us. What a lover. If you only knew his love, open up to his love. Friendship with God is the greatest friendship we can have. Jesus says at the Last Supper to his apostles, I no longer call you slaves. I call you friends because I've revealed to you everything the Father has shared with me. That's what a friend does. A friend talks about everything Jesus revealed from the Father. So the key to everything is that those who have faith in God, faith in the God who became man, to suffer, die, be buried, rise, and ascend, to give us back a relationship with God, 
Those who have faith in the true God, the true Trinity, not the unholy Trinity, but the Holy Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Those who have faith in the true God are to be converted daily and to pray with faith and do penance. That's what we need to do. We need to be converted daily Pray with faith and do penance. Believe in miracles. Yes, we're at war with principalities and powers. We need to arm ourselves, clothe ourselves with Christ, cover ourselves with the precious blood of Jesus, have the Eucharist as an answer to our times, and the rosary is our weapon. Padre Pio taught this over and over and over again. Padre Pio would say the world could do without the sun in the sky before it could do without the Eucharist. And the rosary is our weapon. I even smile because, you know, when we had the three sets of the mysteries of the rosary, the joyful, sorrowful, and glorious, there were 153 Hail Marys that we would say. And remember in the gospels, they caught 153 big fish in the miraculous catch of the fish, right? This is our net, okay? But we were given the luminous mysteries because now there's more than 153 nations. Now we have 203 we can catch. I think there's like 196 right now, but keep praying the rosary. Let's. Let's get them in the boat, okay? That's why we started with the Fatima prayer taught by the angel. And, and I, I use the word, I believe, I adore, I hope, and I love thee. That's the way it was taught, but I heard you saying, I trust thee. That, that's how I say it often too. But there's two groups of people. There's those who believe, adore, trust, and love God, and there's who's, who don't believe, don't adore, don't trust, and don't love God. There are the wheat the lambs, the sons and daughters of God who believe, adore, trust, and love. And then there's the weeds, the wolves, and those who are the offspring of the enemy. But we can have miracles worked and they can come into the family of God. Amen? So that's why we pray that way. But we must keep our faith in God, the most holy trinity, pray with faith, do penance, and it all starts with our conversion. But part of the reparation, I'm gonna end with this. I, I, I got this from the Missionaries of Charity when I did a retreat over in South Korea in 2019. And when they prayed this, my heart was just so moved, okay? And so they shared it with me. And I just want you to, you can pray it with me in silence. But this is an act of reparation to the sacred heart of Jesus. An act of reparation. This is kind of how you do it. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. O sacred heart of Jesus, humbly prostrate before you. We come to renew our consecration with the resolution of repairing 
by an increase of love and fidelity to you. All the outrages unceasingly offered to you, we firmly purpose the more your mysteries are blasphemed, the more firmly we shall believe them, O sacred heart of Jesus. The more impiety endeavors to extinguish our hopes of immortality, the more we shall trust in your heart, sole hope of mortals. The more hearts resist your divine attractions, the more we shall love you, O infinitely amiable heart of Jesus. The more your divinity is attacked, the more we shall adore it, O divine heart of Jesus. The more your holy laws are forgotten and transgressed, the more we shall observe them, O most holy heart of Jesus. The more your sacraments are despised and abandoned, the more we shall receive them with love and respect, O most liberal heart of Jesus. The more your adorable virtues are forgotten, the more we shall endeavor to practice them, O heart, model of every virtue. The more the demon labors to destroy souls, the more we shall be inflamed with the desire to save them, O heart of Jesus, zealous lover of souls. The more pride and sensuality tend to destroy abnegation and love of duty, the more generous we shall be in overcoming ourselves, O heart of Jesus. The more your holy laws of marriage and vows are neglected and broken, the more we shall observe them with love and fidelity, O sacred heart of Jesus. The more the demon labors to destroy the life of prayer and purity in consecrated souls, the more we will try to keep purity pure, chastity chaste, virginity virgin, O sacred heart of Jesus. The more mothers destroy the presence and image of God through abortion, the more we shall save the unborn child by caring for them, by giving them an adoption, O sacred heart of Jesus. O sacred heart, give us so strong and powerful a grace that we may be your apostles in the midst of the world and your crown in a happy eternity. Amen. Beautiful, huh? That's what we need to do. The more darkness that you see, the more light you need to bring. And remember, the darker it is, the brighter the stars shine. And you're those stars. Mary's the star of evangelization. May we truly share the light of Christ that we receive in the Eucharist. 
and have faith, prayer, and self-denial, continually asking for our own conversion and trusting that moral miracles can be worked for this world. Amen. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.